You're listening to a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. Years of history that took place after Jesus ascended into heaven. The beginning of the church is launched Excuse me, in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the disciples. They are given the ability to speak in other tongues. The Holy Spirit allows them. They're declaring the praises of God. And from that point forward, uh, people are being added to the church day by day. And it will happen in, in times where there's a, like this individual story takes place where something miraculous happens. A man whose lame is healed or someone who is blind is restored. And, and then God uses that as a sign to draw people to himself to hear the message of the gospel good news. And then we'll have a, a section of scripture where it's like, uh, and then things continued for a period of time, and the Lord was giving them great grace as they functioned together on a day-by-day basis, adding to, the, to their number. And so today, as we're going through this, we're coming out of a spot where we kind of have a transition verse, at, uh, Acts 8.25, where it's like, here's a big picture. And then we get to hear one of the more unique miracles, and it's kind of a sci-fi miracle. Because in this particular miracle the disciple or the apostle Jane, or Philip is teleported or transported from one place to a place about 20 miles away. And this is before beaming technology was invented. So, I mean, it, it was one of those, it was like, how did this happen? So we're going to get into some of, some of that. But specifically, it's interesting, you know, Matt and I did not talk this morning regarding, you know, what he's going to share for communion. But one of the significant things that can be a lesson to us as we listen to this message today is it is incumbent, it is important for us to be listening to the people around us because it's through the conversations that we're hearing, and I'm not saying, okay, we need to be eavesdroppers, but we're being aware of what's going on around us, which is increasingly difficult to do, especially if you, like me, you know, go about your daily business with earbuds in. If you are unaware of what's happening around you, you may miss divine appointments that God wants to set up for you to be able to engage with people. This does not require, I mean, I am the president of the local introverts club, and we meet individually on a daily basis in our own spaces, and it's a perfect attendance, and we love, you know, every time we gather, and uh, never goes too long, and we can always leave early if we need to. But simply because we're wider in a story, it doesn't mean that God won't work in us and work through us to interact with and connect with other people in sharing the message of the gospel. And what we get to see in this particular section is where God does a really outstanding miracle in a way that kind of every single one of us can do, and that's by listening and responding to the leading of God and leading of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to start off in Acts chapter 8, verse 25, and go from there. Now when they, being the apostles, had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem preaching the gospel to many villagers of the Samaritans. So in our last uh, episode, when we were together, we heard about what was going on in the region of Samaria, where Philip had been scattered along with many other apostles, and as they're, they're going through this place and they're being persecuted because of their faith in Christ, they are declaring the message of the gospel good news. And then, as people are coming to know Christ, the main apostles from Jerusalem are sent to confirm that what's happening is actually from God. And they they confirm it, they agree with it. They begin to lay hands on people to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And when people are baptized with the Holy Spirit and begin to speak in other tongues as the Holy Spirit enables them to do so, it is something that catches the eye of a guy named Simon. And Simon was known as Simon the Magician or Simon the Great. He called himself the Great Power of God. We went into great detail about him. But anyway, there's a confrontation because at some point, Simon says, as, a, as the local magician, I see this power that you guys have. How about if I give you some money, you can give me this power and I can do this too. And Peter, who's come down from Jerusalem, confronts Simon and says, let your money perish with you. You have neither parcel nor part in this. I see your heart is bound up in wickedness and sin, and it, it, it's, you're, you're in a world of hurt. And Simon says, you know, please pray that none, nothing you've said would happen to me. But according to the early church, Simon became the, the first heretic. He became someone who intentionally opposed the message of the gospel because he put his own message out there and attempted to rally people to himself, call, continuing to call himself the great power. And he's considered to be one of the leading proponents of Gnosticism or the person who would declare that there's a special knowledge that certain people can gain that will allow you into like, you know, imagine if you're at Disneyland, it's the Club 33 people. It's like there's this special door, only a few people can get behind it and it's only with with great money being paid and knowing the right people and the special knock. or the, it's, it, it's the very thing that Jesus was the exact opposite of. Jesus said you have to receive the message of the gospel like a little child in a childlike manner. And it's so simple that for some people it's very offensive because it's accessible to anyone. Simon was declaring a message that only a few can have. Only a few have access to it. It's hidden. And this Gnosticism or special knowledge is something that really combated the message of the gospel going forward into the first, into the first and beginning of the second century. Because they, they taught that if Jesus was truly God, he could not have come in the flesh. Because anything that was of the flesh was evil. So the early disciples and apostles, as they're speaking about Jesus, they say, we saw him, we heard him, we touched him, we saw him in the flesh, we, we, we lived our life with him, and this is who we're telling you about. And it's very, very important as we go forward that we hold tight and hold firm to the declarations of the message of the gospel, but also on who was Jesus when he was walking on the earth. He was fully God and fully man. And even though he was fully God, he came in the flesh, and he was like us. He was a human on earth. That's important. That's a key part of the salvation message. So as they leave, as they're leaving through Samaria, you know, basically if you look at Samaria, they're having to then travel back up to or back down to Jerusalem. It's several miles. And in doing so, as they're going, it's not like they're just on a, you know, get there as quick as possible. They're sharing the message of the gospel. And it really is one of those pictures for us. As we go about our regular life, we're looking for opportunities and open ears to share what we know. Uh, I occasionally will, uh, I, well, I follow several teachers on Instagram. And every once in a while, I will come across one of their posts. And it will have a person who's like standing on a street corner uh, declaring the good news of the gospel. And I say good news with the, with the pterodactyl quotes because... Uh, it's, they're yelling and they sound really angry and the people that are walking by are like trying to cover their ear and it's like there's, a, there's an aspect where I know some people feel they're really called to declare a message and even if people aren't listening, it's better to get it out there. Um, my philosophy is we're to look for people who are hungry to hear it and then share with those people and we're to pray that God would cause people's ears to want to hear and to respond to it not to shout people down or to try to out-logic or out-bully or out-argue somebody into the kingdom of God. 
uh, one of my old mentors, all my mentors are old now, because you can't be in your 50s and have a young mentor. Or you, you can, but it's going to be different. If you've had one for a long time, you can learn from anybody. You're paying attention. But one of my old mentors said his philosophy is you feed the hungry bird. And, of course, I'm like, I know exactly what do you mean. And he says, when a mama bird comes to the nest with a worm in its mouth, which of the babies gets the worm? The one who puts its face in front of the mama. If you've ever seen a newborn, when mom's getting ready or give, give the bottle or getting ready to nurse, that's the hungry bird. You feed the hungry bird. Sometimes we may have a target in our mind of who we want to receive Christ or who we want to tell about Jesus, and they don't want to hear it. We can inoculate people against the gospel by not respecting their no. I believe it's important for us to be open to speak the, the, the truth to people, but not to try to bully people. Well, this is good for you, so you're going to take it. There are times when Jesus did not, in his hometown, it says he, nobody believed in him, so he did very few miracles there because they did not believe in him. He could have said, you people, let me show you what I can do. Instead, he went where people were open and where they wanted to hear. It may be that we're, we're knocking on all the wrong doors when we're wanting to share the message of the gospel, or share good stuff, because we think, I know who I want to share it with. My encouragement is pray for those people and pray for an openness. And if it's not going to be you, especially if it's a loved one, there's nobody like loved ones in your life who know your story. To You start to tell them about Jesus, it's like, I don't need to hear this from you. Pray that God puts somebody that they do need to hear it from in their life. Somebody that they will listen to. Somebody that they will respect. Somebody that will pay. Well, I want it to be me. Jesus can use anybody. Does that make sense? Okay. So, as they go, they're declaring the message of the gospel. This takes us to uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Here's the story. Now, an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. To Gaza. It's in the news. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and was reading the prophet Isaiah. Okay. I've never had an angel tell me, that I knew was an angel, tell me to get up and go do something. You may have. But at some point, Philip... It's an angel of the Lord. And, you know, it kind of reminds us that God speaks to people in different ways. And when he told Mary about that she was going to be pregnant and have a child, even though she'd never been with Joseph, her husband, you know, it was one of those things where it's like, how's this supposed to be? Well, the angel told him. The angel appears to Joseph in a dream and says, Mary's going to be pregnant. The angel appears. And you think, well, how come we don't get angels? I think part of the reason is because we have the Holy Spirit. And part of the reason is... God uses the means that he uses to communicate to people based upon their faith and where they are and their, their point of need. And in certain situations, he will appear to them and it's big and it's like undeniable. And in other situations, it seems like God will invite us with a whisper. And if all you get is whispers and you may hear a point of encouragement and you hear nothing else for months, it may be that God simply just trusts you with what he's told you and that you're going to do what he told you to do. Not that he's disinterested in communicating to you, okay? 
it's fun for me to watch my kids talk to their kids and try and get them to obey. (laughs) Because I've done what they're doing. And especially, I didn't have any children that were outright defiant. I had the first child who was like the perfect child. He, you looked at him if he did something wrong, and he's like, I repent, please forgive me. <laughs> and then the second child, he, Joey, was not outright defiant, but you'd tell him something. If he didn't like it or didn't believe in it, he'd just lay down. <laughs> and he's not moving. He's just laying there. It's like, no. It's like, dead weight. It's like, we're in the middle of Target, and uh, you're not getting, I mean, I know you only have 46 Luke Skywalker figurines, and actually none of them actually have this particular lightsaber, but you can make do with what you, and boom, he's down. (laughs) And it's like, what are we going to do? And Joni's like, you want to carry him? And initially we tried, but after a while, you kind of get desensitized to what people think about you. And so it was a common sight to see me with Joey going (laughs) through Target, and he's just like proned out. Is he okay? Yeah, I just told him no. Just told him no. But it's fun for me to watch my kids teaching their kids because they have kids that are like them. And it gives me so much joy because the, the thing that I'm never going to say that to my kid, and I hear them say, because I said so. It just comes out. It just comes out. I have no good reason for you to do this except I am the parent and you are the child. Just do it. The communication that we use with our kids to get them to do what we want them to do depends on the kid. With Johnny, it was the look. With Joey, it was the negotiation or the brute force. With Elise, it was the invitation towards something fun. But God, he will speak to us in ways that will make sense to us. I've shared a story about my friend Danny Bennett who pastors in Santa Cruz, and he is a skater, a legit skater. He runs with professional skaters. He is a surfer. When he goes to a place that has surf, he's literally in the water surfing before anything else happens. So when you hear Danny talk and pray and his vernacular, the words he speaks incorporate dude and referring to God. He's not being disrespectful. It's just how he talks. I mean, a guy who's got a literal, I mean, in the sanctuary, there is a half pipe, okay? And so when he drops in for the message, he's dropping in for the message, okay? So it's how he, God engages with us, he will speak to us in a way that he he gets our attention. And it's funny, with Philip here, he speaks with an angel. Later on, he speaks by the power of the Holy Spirit, just gives him a nudge. And I think the more we hear and respond to God's voice in our life through Scripture, through the words that are spoken, through the things that are done, the more we hear, the better our hearing gets. That's That's a Jesus declaration. And the same way, if we do not listen to what we've heard, even what we have will be taken. The whole parable in Mark chapter 4 is, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. God, through the angel, tells Philip, rise and go towards the south on the road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. This, or he's been told to do this, where he actually rises and goes and does it, it is a 90 to 100 mile journey. He cannot catch an Uber. He cannot drive his car. 
He cannot most likely take a chariot because he doesn't have, he just gets to go, and he goes. I don't know if you've ever had God speak to you and say, here, what I want you to do, and he didn't tell you why you were doing this. Here, just go here. Why did you want to go to that place for lunch? I have no idea. I haven't thought of going to that place for lunch forever. But I went there, and what do you know? I ran into somebody there. And these little, it's like when Joni was talking about running into the German pastor. We're sitting in a convention center with 3,000 people in it. And we're sitting in the same place every time. Why? Because it's godly, okay? It's a godly thing to do. And I just, this is my spot. I've marked it out. Everyone knows the rules. Now Louie will sit here every service going forward. And then this one time, Joni's like, we're going to sit over here. And I'm 54. I've been married to her for 34 years, been together for 35. And there's a part of me that's like, you know the rules, Joni. <laughs> we, we have established ownership of this section right here. People don't even look at it anymore because that's where we sit. But she wants to sit over here because she's got friends. When did she meet those friends? Earlier that day. Okay, it's normal. So I'm going to go along with it because I've also learned that just because I have my own ways doesn't mean that I can't be open to what, my, what God may be speaking to my wife. So we end up in a spot that we had no business being in. <laughs> Separate. I mean, we're, we're way higher, way, more, way farther away. I'm also in a spot where, you know, to be honest, I do this all the time water in my Big Gulp cup or my Maverick cup, which requires more frequent trips to the bathroom. So I want to be able to get out, okay? You know you're hitting discount time when you are plotting your exits where you're going to sit based upon bathroom, okay? You know what I'm talking about. So we end up in this place way far away, and I'm sulking sitting in this place. And I'm just like, I have to sit way up here. I don't even know where the nearest bathroom is. And I see the German pastor's walking up. It's like, hey, it's Avald and Kirsten. I'm just sitting there. Johnny says, you going to go talk to him? It's like, I could. <laughs> I'd have to stand up and walk 12 feet. I don't know if I can do that after all this other inconvenience I've been experiencing this morning. But I just went over and, and she got to engage with him. If we hadn't sat there, I would not have seen or known that they were there. And now you're making us go to Germany this week because of that. But it's all that to say, sometimes the way God works in our life, it can seem so coincidental, but he's actually setting us up for, to, to run into things. And if we are aware and looking for opportunities, we will find opportunities. He says so. So when Philip hears rise and go, he's not like, that's 90 miles, God. How am I supposed to? What am I supposed to? It says, he rose and went. When we obey the Lord... He will then give us the next step. He didn't say, what am I supposed to do when I get there? Something I have not told you yet. Will you put the map up, Jay? Something I have not told you yet. You know, he's up in here and then comes down to Jerusalem. He's told to go to Gaza here, about 90 miles. And then it says, by the way, this is a desert place. The reason it says, by the way, this is a desert place is because this is a desert place. And this is before Maverick and Jackson Mart and Rainbow Mart and all the little gas station stops along the way. So here was, this is the last watering hole before you go to Egypt. So people travel this way, but this is a desert place. And he's just told, go down here. 
So he's hanging out in this general area after who knows how many days. If, it, if he drove, if he went 15 miles a day, 15 into 90, that's several days. Yeah, it's like six. Yeah, math. Um, six days. So he's in this general area, just kind of hanging out. And we get to see there is a guy who is an, identified as an Ethiopian eunuch from the uh, official royal court of Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who's in charge of all of her treasure. And he's been in Jerusalem up here because he's worshiping. Okay, so here comes this chariot. In the back is the is Ethiopian eunuch. There's a driver in there, and there's Philip, and he's standing there. And it, it says, the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot. If you've ever seen a chariot, they don't go slow. So I want you to get the picture of after 90 miles of travel, Philip has walked to this desert place, and there's a chariot going by, and there's a guy reading the prophet Isaiah in the back, and God's, the Holy Spirit says, go, join the chariot. He's telling Philip, you better run, squirrel. Here we go. And so I can only imagine, I, I immediately picture, if you were an Office fan, you know, when you see Moe Schrute running, I'm picturing Philip running, chasing after the chariot, listening to the guy reading. It's interesting because this, at this time, there is no Ethiopia, okay? There's an Ethiopian, I found out it means uh, burnt skin. And so they were referring to the fact, this is a black man from the region that we would today call Sudan. But this man is a eunuch. And when we're talking about what is a eunuch, it can be an official title of a person working in a royal palace. It can also be uh, a title given to a person who's placed in, to work in a royal palace who's been completely emasculated, has had all their uh, male parts cut off. And the reason this happened was to make them more focused on their work, yes, and also to make them a no threat to uh, populating the royal line by intermingling with the ladies in the royal family. So the eunuch is in the back, and he's a trusted individual. He's a person who is in the, the court of the Queen Candace. He's in charge of the treasury, and he's been worshiping. We can know from the, from the Old Testament, the Old Testament law, that a person who is a eunuch is not allowed to go into the inner courts of the temple. So even if he was worshiping in Jerusalem, the God that we worship, he would not be allowed to go inside because anybody who had physical damage or had lost a body part or things did not work would not be allowed to go into the inner courts. But he's still there, and he's worshiping. And even on his way home, he's reading through the prophets. And there comes a spot where he sees this guy running up next to him. And the guy, he says, so you're, he's reading this particular section that says this. Or he says to Philip, hey, you want to come up here and sit with me? Philip comes and sits with him. And he's like, you know, he's, he's breathing hard. He's, he just was running to catch up with him. And he says, do you understand what you are reading? Verse 31, he says, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. So, 
Philip is listening to this guy reading while he's running, nonetheless. He says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? He says, how can I? Well, somebody explains it. Come on up here. He gets in there. So what is it? And this particular passage. By the way, this is a desert place. Okay? Let's see the next map, Jaden. So up in here would have been Gaza. This guy, this Ethiopian eunuch, would have been from the, the kingdom of Cush, also sometimes referred to as Nubia, but it would have been kind of in this area, which is where modern-day Khartoum, Sudan, is kind of here. So this is kind of where he's from. So as this guy is interacting with, with uh, Philip, Philip starts out with, you, know, you don't know who you're talking about. Let me read this to you. Let me share more information about this. And this is a section that we would look at as Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. And it's about the part in Gospels that was prophesied where Jesus gave no answer when he was questioned by the high priest and questioned by Pilate, that he was led like a lamb before the slaughter. It says, from that point forward, Philip explained the message of the Gospel. From that point, telling him about Jesus telling him what Jesus had done, that he died for him. Now, this is a, one, a person who is a God-fearer, someone who trusts and believes in the God of Moses. And yet, at the same time, in this situation, he's confronted with message that he's never heard, that the promised Messiah has come. And the only way he gets to hear about it is this man was sent 90 miles by foot who then chases after his chariot and listens to what he's saying and is brought into the chariot and then gets to explain, let me give you the good news. By the way, this is a desert place. Uh, verse um, 36. And as they were going along the road, and by the way, this is a desert place, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Get this. At just the right time, as they're going through this desert place, completely isolated, they come to a watering hole where there's actually water. And the guy is just stoked. He is so excited. What can stop me from getting baptized here? I don't know what he exactly said, but it was like, booyah, look, water, me. He'd been talking about repentance and people being baptized with the, the baptism of being baptized. It's like, I can do that. What's to stop me? So he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. When the eunuch heard the message of the gospel, he said, I want that. I need that. And he took the, the step of being baptized as a way of saying, what it, what my, my declaration of belief is shown in my action and just happened to have water right there. Just all the things that Jesus had to work together in order for this to happen. Just incredible. Even better, as they go, and they're, they're dunking him, okay? Over the last couple of months, we've done, I believe we've had uh, 12 people, 11 people baptized. At no point after we brought somebody up out of the water did one of the people doing the baptism disappear. At no point they were just like gone. When we were talking about this at Life Group, we were kind of postulating, so was he, like as he's coming up out of the water, Philip's gone and he goes back under? You know, and he's looking around. We don't know. But the gospel requires a response. And people will either have a sit-on-it response, they'll have an affirmative response, 
or they'll have a negative response. In this one, the guy responded positively. And Philip is taken away. We'll get to where he goes in just a minute. Where he's carried away to. Over this last week, there's one of our administrators for the preschool lost her father-in-law. He was in his 90s after a battle with uh, a bunch of messes with his legs, had some amputations, and it just kept getting worse and worse, and entered hospice, and they said, you got about a month. It actually had about six hours, and he died. It was very quick. So Elise and her family were bringing food and dessert to their friends. My grandkids know what's up when it comes to dessert. And my middle grandson, Brody, was not happy that they were giving dessert away because you don't do, you, dessert is for us. Why are we giving them cake? Why don't we get cake? And Elisa's, well, because they lost their, you know, Michael's dad died. And so we want to, so we give them cake as, as part of the process of, of their grieving. And we want to just make it so they don't have to think about food. And, you know, he's four. And so later that night, he's laying in bed, and he's thinking about death. And he's like, tells his mama, I don't, I'm afraid to die. And so Elise says, let me tell you about Jesus and what Jesus did and about how we don't have to be afraid of dying. And she led him to Jesus. And it was precious. Here's the thing. Brody's been saved for 12 seconds. Okay? His first sentence is, I got to tell Lincoln about this. Lincoln needs the Lord. Let's just say that. Lincoln is his buddy from school. And when Lincoln is in your class, the teachers are like, can I please get an extra aid in here? He needs the Lord. But Brody's first response is, I got to tell Lincoln. There is something about the message of the gospel that leads to joy that gets spread. When we have good news, it gets told to other people. I don't know how the conversation with Lincoln went, but I know Brody had it. And it had to be something along the lines of, I'm really scared to die, so I have Jesus. And Lincoln's like, okay. <laughs> and I got to trust that Jesus can work with that. It's interesting. According to church tradition, this eunuch got back in his chariot, went back to where he lived in what we would call Sudan, and he began to declare the message of the gospel. And that church is still in existence. And when you hear about Christians being killed in Sudan, these are the descendants of this man, the converts to Christianity that this man shared about. Long before Christianity was ever preached to white people in Europe, long before it spread to places where we would associate with, you know, most of white bread America, the gospel went to a black man. And it went and spread like wildfire. That is our family. That is us. With great joy, the eunuch is dancing. I don't know what happened to the guy, but he was here and then he's gone. I just know I got baptized again after he's gone. Okay, Acts 8.40. Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. He was baptizing, and then he was at Azotus. Next map, Jaden. Okay? So he's, he's in this region, okay? 
he finds himself here. Okay? This is 20 miles as the crow flies. So somehow, someway, God did not help him as he traveled from here to here. He walked that. He, he put the shoe leather in here. But in a moment, he goes from here to here. And what did he do when he got there? Eh, he's got to head back to this area. So as he goes, he begins to declare the message of the gospel as he's going. I'd have been like, oh, what just happened? I'm here? How, did, how do you tell this story? There are things that God will do that maybe are going to be really incredible that if you start telling people about it, they'll be like, you're pulling my leg. I can't believe this. But you know who doesn't have to worry about having their leg pulled? It's Philip. He knows what God has done. And I can guarantee you when you are listening to God directing your steps and you start to see some of the results of this, you may not know how it's going to play out, but you're much more willing to jump in and say, I'll give it a shot. I'll trust him. This is the whole thing that he invites us to do, to be people who, as we go, be, be listening, be paying attention, to speak to those who we encounter, to share what he gives us to share, to ask the question. Jesus, over and over again, asked what we call the Jesus question. It's really a spiritual question. He'd encounter people and he'd say, ready for this? What can I do for you? Get that. What can I do for you? Need any help? That in and of itself can eliminate a hole, and that's eliminate with an eye. Shine a bright light onto what your next steps would be. I don't need any help. Yeah, man, I'm having a really hard time. can lead towards prayer. It leads towards conversation. leads towards uh, empathy being shared. It leads towards who knows what. But it's just being available. Or as my mentor, other one, who's now with Jesus, would say, Jerry Cook, open for business. We're open for business. What are we doing today? It's like, what do you got? What can I do for you? As we close, what I see in Acts over and over again is God reminds us, keep the main thing the main thing. Don't get caught up in petty arguments. Don't get caught up in, you know, when is Jesus going to come back? Is it pre-tribulational? Is it mid-tribulational? Is it post-tribulational? You know, arguing about points of theology that have nothing to do with the actual carrying out of our day-to-day -day life. Keep the main thing the main thing. Follow the pattern of Christ-following scriptural behavior that you have learned. Default to being a person who lives and shares the gospel good news. To love God and to love people. To teach people to obey everything that Jesus has taught you. To be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Be baptized with the Holy Spirit. The main thing, the main thing. What are we doing with this? How do you know when the Holy Spirit's talking to you? How can you tell? How do you know it's not just the pizza you had the night before? How do you know? You know is there a litmus test that you use? You know, sometimes if I have a, I feel like I've got, I've got a nudge, I'll mention it to my wife. You know, I just got this nudge. What do you think? And there's other times I don't even know. I just kind of got this idea. It's never like if you are a person who's ever seen The Princess Bride, if you haven't, I would encourage you to do it. My granddaughter Jane was exposed to it this last week. She now wants to be called Princess Buttercup. I'm for it. I'm for it. But there's a spot in there where Inigo Montoya is trying to find the man in black, and he's, you know, got his sword. Please guide my sword. He's walking around and stumbling all over the place. I think sometimes when we think about getting spiritual guidance, we think about it's going to be this, just tell me what to do. And often it's just a nudge or an encouragement, or a thought that comes to our head, or let's sit in the, up, 
upper rows instead of where we have been sitting, in spite of your husband. How does Philip and the eunuch story tell you about the significance of Holy Spirit obedience and of our interactions with other people? Hearing what Matt was talking about with listening and then this story, the significance of listening and being aware of those around you. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you are here and that wherever we're gathered, we can know that you're in our midst. And I pray that you would cause our hearing to be increased. As we hear your voice, we put it into practice. We listen to you. Pray for opportunities to ask people that we encounter, what can I do for you? And Lord, in those moments, I pray that you would tell us what we need to do at that point. And if we don't have any clarity, that we limit our activity. If we don't know what to say, we limit our words. I pray, Lord, that we would be about the main things, that we would focus on loving you and loving people. We would focus on living out the kindness that brought us to repentance in the first place. The love in action. Give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. When we're done here, right back in this back area by uh, this divider, there's going to be some people available to pray with you. If you've never started a relationship with Jesus, he says that anybody who calls upon his name would be saved. And that you know, basically is saying you ask him to come into your life, you ask him and his death on the cross and resurrection to pay for your sins and begin to follow after, like we were talking with Lori today about finding and understanding and following God's plan. And if you'd like to start with Jesus today, you can come and see people at prayer today. You can also, where John is back there, we wave at me, John. There are some yes packets. I'd love for you to grab a yes packet. This is something that you get for saying yes to Jesus. And it can kind of, it's got some great stuff inside to help you as you begin to walk following Jesus day by day. Uh, today's family feast we've got a bunch of food crockpots there's going to be tables and stuff coming out we'd love for you to stick around and eat with us even you didn't bring anything it's okay we brought tons of little smokies this will be a bunch for you love to have you stick around our growth track last one is going to be happening upstairs today uh, after we get our food but otherwise may God bless you and I'm going to pray this over you may Jesus bless you and keep you may Jesus make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you May Jesus turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. This has been a podcast presentation of Hillside Foursquare Church in Reno, Nevada. You can reach us via email at web at hillside4.org. That's W-E-B at hillside, the number 4, dot org.